Get your business together. Get yourself into what you do and see it through. Because being boss is hard. Blending work and life is messy. Making a dream job of your own isn't easy. But getting paid for it, becoming known for it, and finding purpose in it is so doable. If you do the work. Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. From Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Welcome to episode eight, Being Boss and Being Mom. Hello, everyone. Like Emily said, welcome to Being Boss. So we've been getting a lot of questions from our listeners about how Emily and I manage being boss and also being working moms. So today we are going to talk about that. We got a question from Caroline. Hey, ladies. I've really enjoyed listening to the first few episodes from my workspace, which is my living room, with a sleeping six-month-old next to me. Kathleen, I followed your blog for a while now, and I know that you have a baby yourself. My question is, how did you stay creative and grow your business while you were getting little to no sleep? And also, how do you fit work hours into a growth spurt breastfeeding schedule? I run an audio recording and production company with my husband and also have an illustration and hand-lettering Etsy company on the side. I'm looking for tips on work-life balance when you work alongside your baby. Thanks. And we also got another email. Actually, we've gotten tons of emails, but we got another one uh, from Anna Maria, and she says, Hi, I have a question about time management when you have a kid and are a stay-at-home mom, trying to work on a new blog, gaining knowledge in the field, brainstorming ideas, etc., How do I prioritize in a little spare time and still progress? I feel frustrated because I can't do everything I want to, so a piece of advice would do me good. Thank you for answering, Anna Maria. Well, (laughs) Anna Maria and Caroline, you have two mompreneurs um, here who will hopefully at least try in our, like, sleep-deprived, tired state <laughs> to answer um, answer some of these questions and see if we can't give you guys some tips. Yeah, today's episode is for you guys. It's for the bosses out there who are moms and dads. We have a couple of guy listeners um, who have a family or thinking about starting a family in the next few years but are freaking out about how you're going to manage it all. Um Emily has a seven-year-old. Is she seven? She turns seven tomorrow. Ah, Yeah. (laughs) Birthday. So Emily has a seven-year-old. She calls her hashtag cute kid. (laughs) And I have a one-year-old boy named Fox. And so Emily and I are both at very different stages, I think, of raising our kiddos. We both have different challenges whenever it comes to being working moms Um, And I think that we'll both be the first to admit that we do not have all the answers. Like, we are not parenting experts by any means. So today we're just sharing a personal peek behind the curtain um, as to, like, what works for us and how we're able to manage being bosses while also being moms. So, Emily, like, tell us a little bit. I'm curious to hear with your seven-year-old... Um, a day in the life of like, what is your day like from start to finish? Sure. Oh, it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. So cute kid who, her name is Lily. Um, she, she is seven years old. She, or she turns seven tomorrow um, as a recording date of this podcast. And uh, we homeschool. So ours is like, ours is a super 
super parenting life <laughs> that we live. We don't, you know, we, we don't send her to school. We work at home or at the studio with our kid. Um, so it starts out pretty early in the morning. I wake up um, pretty naturally at about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And that's when I enjoy my quiet time. I have found that quiet time for me is the most imperative part of my day. And quiet time can literally just be here scrolling through Twitter on my phone, um, which is one of the things that I do at 5.30 or 6 o'clock when I wake up. Um, so I get up um, or I wake up and I usually lay in bed for an hour or two while the house sort of sleeps. And I, um, I read the news on my phone and I go through Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'll pick up the laptop and I'll do a little work from bed and sort of pre-answer emails or uh, write a newsletter or something for the day. So my day always has to start out with alone time. <laughs> has to start out with alone time. And you're recording this podcast right now from bed, yeah? Yes. Like you spend a lot of time working from bed. <laughs> I do kind of work a lot from bed. Um, I am. I'm recording the podcast from bed. Um, and so right now it's 9 a.m. Like, what is Lily doing right now? Right now, her and um, her dad, David, they're downstairs playing Legos. Aww. Yeah. So, so, and, and that's what we do. We, we like to spend our mornings together. We have breakfast in the morning. Lily, Lily comes upstairs every morning at eight o'clock. We have an alarm clock in her room, which for any mom with a kid who can tell time, get them a clock in their room and tell them what time it's okay for them to come out of their room. I think that for us was a huge game changer. Um, because my morning time is so important for like the rest of my day. Like if I don't have my alone time in the morning, it's going to get real, real fast. <laughs> so uh, so we gave Lily a, a, a clock to put in her room, and whenever it turns 8 o'clock, she knows that it's okay to come upstairs. Um, and we usually hang out in bed for a little while. Um, we get up, we do breakfast, we get ready, um, and then sort of the work day starts. Pretty, pretty much around 9 every day is when the day starts. Um, so sometimes I go to the studio, sometimes I work from home, sometimes it's at the kitchen table, and sometimes it's in bed. Um, and David and Lily at that point usually do homeschooling stuff like handwriting exercises or chores. Um, and I make this sound so well planned out, but it's really not. Like our lives are pretty go with the flow, um, but we do sort of have that routine in place. Um, so I work for a couple of hours. Sometimes Lily comes to work with me and hangs out uh, where she does more homeschooling stuff. Um, Rosetta Stone <laughs> is something we're totally into right now for Lily and sort of giving her computer time, but in a way that's like super educational. Um, and we usually wrap up our day around five, six o'clock, um, play a game of darts at the studio while Lily runs around nuts. And then we come home, do dinner, read, hang out and go to bed. So you didn't always homeschool and I'm kind of taking us off track, but I'm curious, why did you decide to homeschool? Last year, Lily was in school, right? Yes, yes. So, and it's a two-part question. Uh -huh. So, like, do you think that it would work if David, so your man and Lily's dad, um, if he wasn't also working for you? Like, do you think that it would work if, let's say, David had a day job or if you were a single mom? No. Oh, we've talked about this so many times. We're so grateful for like where we are in our life and business so that I, I'm, we're allowed to have him work with me or, you know, it's really a business we're building together. Um, and if he had another job, we would not homeschool. 
Um, and we began homeschooling. Like, whenever I was pregnant, pregnant moms always have, like, the thing that they're going to do. And for a lot of moms, it's like, I'm going to breastfeed until they're, you know, two. Or, you know, the, you always Five have... years old. <laughs> yeah, you have your shtick, whatever that is. And for me, mine was homeschooling. Whenever I was pregnant, I was going to homeschool my kid. You know, I grew up in the public school system. Um, I'm a product of the public public school system. It's obviously not a horrible thing. Um, but I was never super pleased with it as, like, a super, like, active kid. Like, my brain's kind of nuts sometimes. <clears throat> so, you know, I always found school a little boring, and I always thought I would homeschool my kid. And then whenever it came down to sending her to school, I was building my business, and I needed her out of the house. Like, I mean, it really was sort yeah. of this. Like, I could not homeschool. Um, David was... Um, what was David doing? I think David was finishing up graduate school at the time, so he wasn't as, at home as much. And so we sent her to school for the first, uh, or she went to daycare for a while. Um, she went to kindergarten. And then whenever we found ourselves like in position in life where you know the business was going really well and I wasn't having to hustle quite as much, um, but also that David could work with me and we could be sort of work-at-home parents, um, it was sort of a just a place in our life where we found ourselves when it simply made more sense mm. to homeschool her than to mess up our entire day by all the things that we had to do in regards to sending her to school. Um, so we homeschool and it works out really well for us, but I do not believe that it is for everyone. All right. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine homeschooling right now. I can't even imagine like getting past this next hour right now. Like that's the kind of working mom morning I've had. So, um, I'll just share like a day in the life yeah. of my life. So I have Fox who is when he's one, he just turned one. And, um, my husband, Jeremy Fox's dad, he has a day job as an electrical engineer. And so, um, we're not working together. Like my business is, just mine and my sister's. Um, my sister does live across the street, so it is kind of like a one big happy family situation. Anyway, so my day this morning actually started at 4.20 whenever Fox started crying in his crib, which he's just learned how to sleep in. Um, for the first year of his life, we were co-sleeping and basically waking up every hour or two. And so I was very sleep deprived up until recently. Um, but we've been working on getting him in his crib, which is a whole other story. But um, so at 420 this morning, Fox was crying. And so I went and grabbed him. My husband was like, no, don't go get him. Do not bring that baby into this bed. And, <laughs> but I did. I got him and I took the baby into the bed and he nursed a little bit while I just kind of laid there and we both fell back asleep. So it was awesome. Really wasn't too bad compared to what we've been through for the last year. Um, we got up around... We usually get up around 6 and get breakfast going. And so we have the same breakfast every morning. And I heat up, now I heat up a bottle for Fox. Um, and I get him a little breakfast on his high chair. And so we all sit around for about an hour. Um, and Fox is really chill in the mornings. He's getting, he's getting a little bit more needy as he gets older, as far as just wanting to be entertained. So I'll set him up in the living room with some of his toys or whatever while we, um, eat our breakfast and drink our tea and catch up with our blog reading and things like that. Um, having a morning routine has always been important for me, even before I had the baby and it still very much is. 
Um, and then Jeremy gets ready for work while I get Fox ready for daycare. I get him dressed and I get his lunch together. Um, and then I send them on their way. And so Jeremy and Fox leave around 8 a.m. And so my work day really starts around then. Um, I'll write or blog um, or answer emails, just going over to the day's to-do list, things like that. I usually have a meeting at 9 or 10 a.m. And so like today it's recording this podcast, but tomorrow it might be a client meeting. Um, and then I go work out in the middle of the day, every day. And then whenever I get back, I usually have maybe another meeting at 2 um, if I don't have a meeting, I will just continue to work on client work or providing feedback to my team on the stuff that they're working on. Um, I might do some planning and writing. And then my day usually ends around 3 or 3.30. And that's whenever I go pick up Fox from daycare. And we will usually go to a park and go for a long walk. Um, we'll come home and I make him dinner around 5. We start to, and then around that time, Jeremy comes home from his work um, we'll all just kind of hang out together around six o'clock. Uh, I'll start making dinner and Jeremy gives Fox his bath and gets him ready for bed and he'll have his last bottle. And then Fox goes down by seven. And after that, Jeremy and I are eating dinner. We're watching some Netflix and then I'm usually in bed by nine and asleep no later than 10. Um, so that's like pretty much what my day looks like every day. Um, that sounds glorious. So, yeah, I mean, it's really nice, and we've got our patterns and our routine. Um, but there are some challenges of being a creative entrepreneur and a working mom. And for me, it's decision fatigue, right? So, like, I've never been a mom before, and I don't know what I'm doing. So, like, every day I'm having to make decisions. I'm having to decide, um, should I bring the baby into the bed or should I let him cry? Should I try and give him a bottle or should I maybe nurse him? Should I, <laughs> you know, and then the big things, are vaccinations going to kill my baby or are the measles <laughs> going to kill my baby? Like there are just so many ways that you can parent. Um, and I think especially now with all the accessibility and seeing how everyone else is doing and not being able to just call up your mom and say, how did you do it? Because now we have so much information. It makes all the decisions that much harder to make. And so for me, it's like, there's a lot of decision fatigue that comes with being a boss. Like I have to make so many decisions every day for my clients, for my business, and now for my baby. And it is exhausting. And I had, you know, I thought that like the sleep deprivation, I was kind of prepared for all that, but I was not prepared for, for all the decisions that I would have to make. Um, you know, should I send my baby to daycare or not? Should I sleep with my baby? Should I, you know, all these different things that you just have to decide big and little. Yeah. There um, are tons, tons of decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that is like the most challenging thing for me as a creative entrepreneur and working mom. What about you, Emily? Like what's the most challenging thing for you as a working creative mom? Oh, as a working creative mom, for me, because because I do work so closely with my kid, like constantly being in proximity, like you're in a good good age where like where Fox isn't quite super spongy yet. <laughs> like he's I mean, he's definitely soaking in everything that's happening, but he's not like throwing it back at you yet. 
um, <laughs> which which enjoy this place because it will end soon. <laughs> oh, I hope it ends soon. Yeah. Like I hear that enjoy it, it goes by so fast, and I'm like, oh my god, it cannot go by fast enough. And I I should say I love being a mom, but it is it's not easy. No. I think all moms can agree. Anyway, so tell me what you're talking about, Emily. Like, what do you mean? Sure, sure. So, um, so because I work in such close, such close proximity to, to Lily, and because now, you know, David and I are, like, really solely responsible for the entirety of her education as, like, as, a, like, a smart person, but also as just, like, a human being, um, my biggest challenge is that, is the fact that she's literally always watching me. Um, and, and that's, that's really hard whenever, you know, whenever I'm at the studio and, you know, we're goofing off or, you know, or I just got like an email from someone who has me mad. I mean, like, just, you know, Mm -hmm. how I react to every situation is constantly being watched by Lily. So I, I don't have, you know, eight hours in a day where she's not watching me, um, it's really so. Rare. Like instead of having like the fear of God, you have the fear of your child. Yeah, I, absorbing I do. and watching I, what you do. <laughs> she does, but then she also will throw it back at me. So if I'm having a day where I'm just I'm just being like a bossy little shit, which definitely happens. By the end of the day, she's being a bossy little shit, and so like I really sort of have to keep myself in check constantly, which is a really great practice. Um, sort of, you know always keeping your emotions in check and making sure you're not flipping out or doing the wrong thing or whatever. She definitely keeps me like accountable. Um, but it is one of the hardest things, at least for me being a working mom and building a business is the fact that I really am constantly on stage for either my clients or the people who follow me and especially my own child. Um, Mm. is that recently (laughs) has been the biggest challenge for me. So I think that for our listeners who are moms or dads or want to start a family soon, um, well, I would say just for the people who are actually moms and dads now, is that there are so many challenges whenever it comes to being a creative working parent, um, and everyone will have different challenges. So like, identify the challenge for yourself. And so for me, it's decision fatigue. For Emily, it's being on all the time. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about ways that we work around those, but let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, just getting in the right mindset for being a working mom. And I hear this thing all the time about like having it all. Can you have it all? And yes, you can have it all. And I felt like probably as of this year, like, no, you can't have it all. Like if I'm just being completely honest, I, I don't think you can unless you're able to just shift your thinking around what all is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, you know, maybe you can have it all, but only if you're really clear on what it is that you want. So there's the having it all situation. Um, and then I think just also realizing that you're more than just a mom. You're more than just a boss. Yeah, that that one for me is one of the biggest ones. And I think one of the reasons that I've been able to keep it together (laughs) as well as I have lately, um, well, really just in the past seven years, I mean, whenever, whenever Lily was super young, um, 
you know, I was just building my business and I was just in the first couple of years of it. And, um, and David was in graduate school, so he was not around. Um, we were living in, um, in the town in the mountains in North Carolina and I had no family around. Uh, we had some friends, but not the kind of friends that I could be like, Hey, come watch Lily for a little while. Not those kinds of friends. Um, so I literally built my business with Lily with me 24 seven. Um, and what kept me, I think the most sane was not giving up my own identity. Um, because that's something that I watch moms do all the time. If you have a kid and you Im immediately change your Twitter handle to, like, Aiden's mom, then we have a problem. <laughs> like, I, I like, really think that at that point there's a problem. Um, because once you start losing your own identity and you just become a mom, that's when your, like, every other passion you have starts to starts to wither I think and that's when your business starts you know not doing as well um it's when you stop thinking about how to take care of your kid beyond you um which I think is is something that a lot of people sort of get stuck thinking um so for me one of my biggest mind sh mindset shifts in re in regards to you know how it is that you build a strong personal brand or a strong business um is that you have to sort of you have to understand that once you become a mom, you're still all the other things that you always were. You just added responsibility. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And it's so important for me to hear that right now because I'm just in the first year of it. And after I had Fox, um, my Instagram became practically Fox's mom because I was only posting photos of Fox. And it, it is such a transition and it is such an identity flip and it's really hard to maintain your sense of self, especially whenever another little person, I, especially in the first year is yeah. so dependent on you. And especially if you're um, breastfeeding and you're co-sleeping and you're like literally attached to this person all the time, it's easy to forget that you are your own person as well. Sure. And in um, your own person with responsibilities, <laughs> like, yes, yes, you have to continue doing things. And, and the first year is a tricky place um, because in a lot of ways you should sort of lose your identity <laughs> because right. you should be super focused on being mom, but you have to crawl out of it. You have to maintain enough of your identity that you can, you can sort of restart that once, once babies, um, a little less dependent on you because a kid will continually get less and less dependent on you. And if you're depending on your child for your identity, then, you know, as they get older, you're going to lose yourself. And that sucks. Don't put yourself in that position now. <laughs> See, and it, it's whenever you say that, it's so good to hear or it's important to hear. And I think part of my problem is that um, having a baby has forced me into the present moment like never before. I've yeah. always been very much a forward thinker and a daydreamer. And I'm so present right now just trying to figure out how to be a mom and, you know, all those decisions that I have to make um, that I forget that this is temporary and I forget <laughs> that things are going to change. But I have to just I, – I, and maybe it's even hormonally, but I feel like we're going to be here forever. Like that fox is going to be one forever and that he's never going to sleep forever and that he's going to be breastfeeding forever. Um, so it feels forever. And so it's fun to hear you even now talking about having a seven-year-old Emily and you're 
like, yeah, in the first couple of years, like just throwing it around, like it's no big deal. <laughs> Whenever I'm like, oh my God, this is forever. And I think the same can be actually said for business. You know, we get emails from people just graduating college who are freaking out about their path. And I'm like, you need to chill out. Like you have time. Yes. And, but forgetting like how urgent those first couple of years of business feel, like I think it's the same thing with a baby, like the first couple of years are just going to feel like a total shit show. Yeah. Probably. That's the grind. I mean, you have to, that's exactly what it is. Like you, there's such a parallel between children and business. Um, and that the first couple of years of business and children is hard. And again, I'm not trying to say I'm an expert in either. Um, but I do have really good child and a really good business. So <laughs> we got this. Um, but whenever, yeah, the first couple of years are, are a grind. I mean, it's, it's the work, the most work for the least amount of reward, but mm. it sets the foundation for having a good kid or for having a profitable business. Okay. So that brings me to a big mindset shift that I had to make. And so whenever you talked about putting in the most work for the least amount of reward, mm -hmm. um, I started looking at parenting and being a working mom and my business with braid creative as an investment. And so let me explain myself. So it's like um, whenever you invest in the stock market or 401k or whatever, real estate, it's like how do you diversify your investments, like your time and energy, and what's the return on those investments? And is it worth it? Um, so for me, I had to look at, like I, I could have easily shut down Braid Creative or just handed it off to my sister and our team and say, you know what, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom from now on. But then, like you said, like, where does that leave me whenever Fox gets a little bit older? Yeah. Um. So I've decided to invest a certain amount of time and energy into continuing to grow Braid so that whenever Fox is older, I still have this business for myself. Um. At the same time, I'm not working maybe as hard as... My sister was, for example, whenever she first had her kids, she was a creative director at an ad agency. And so she didn't own her own business, but she had to invest um, a lot of time into her job and growing her expertise um, so that one day she could become a creative entrepreneur. Anyway, it's it's all about like where are you going to put your time and energy? And so for me, like I'm not working as many hours as I could because I also want to invest a lot of time into... Fox and making sure that his, you know, needs are met and my needs are met as far as the things that I do place a priority on, like breastfeeding and people call it attachment parenting. I didn't even know what that was whenever, um, whenever I started wearing Fox all the time and breastfeeding and co-sleeping and all of that stuff, but he does go to daycare. So it's not like he's attached to me <laughs> all the time. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling, <laughs> no. uh, probably because I woke up at 4.20 this morning. <laughs> no, you can. And I, I think that's a totally valid point. I think that's just like another one of those parallels between like children and business and that it is an investment. Like you have to, and you have to invest in your child's future. Um, but like it can be short and long-term future too. And that's one of the things with like being a great business owner and a great parent is you have to sort of maintain this balance between short and long-term planning. Um, you know, what is going to be best for your kid right now 
may not be the best thing that's or the thing that's best for them long term. Um, and the same thing with your kid and with your life choices, <laughs> all those things. Like you sort, you have to you have to gain that balance uh, between making the right investments um, in every part of your life, including children. I mean, deciding to take Lily homeschool. Short-term investment sucked. <laughs> like, it really, really did. For the first nine months that we homeschooled Lily, or maybe maybe it's six months, I'd say, were horrible. Like, I will be the first to tell anyone that the first six months of homeschooling Lily were the hardest six months of my life. Like, I probably would have traded wow. spaces with you um, and not slept wow. for six months. They were really hard. They were really trying. We There were a couple of breakdowns. And Lily's not a dramatic child. She does not throw temper tantrums. She's very well behaved. But there was at least twice where there was a breakdown over, you know, if you can't do the homeschool thing, like if you're not going to listen to us and do your handwriting or whatever, then you're going to have to go back to school. Like, I'm not going to fight you. Um... There are teachers that I pay my taxes to pay <laughs> them to do that right. for me, um, and I will do so. And so, but it was an investment that I knew long term in both time and energy would pay off, and it has. Like uh, I guess we're maybe about eight nine months into into um, homeschooling now, and like our it's fantastic. I would not send her back to school right now. For anything, um, because the the investments are paying off. She's she's super healthy. She used to get sick every other weekend uh, whenever she was in public school. Um, so she's super healthy. Um, she's eating great because we're not packing her the same lunch every day, and she's not eating like school food. Um, mm -hmm. We we actually we've been able to take her gluten free, which would have been so much harder. Um, if she were in school, um, because of some health issues, we've been able to easily go gluten-free. Um, so those are just like little, I, I, I agree. I think you have to look at parenting and business in terms of investing, um, in time and energy, not just money. Um, yeah. and, and seeing where things will weigh out for you. Um, it's important. Well, and even, you know, financial investments whenever Fox was, um, little itty bitty and I took an eight week maternity leave. And whenever it was time, whenever my eight weeks were up, I had to decide, okay, what am I going to do as far as childcare goes? And I had to decide, do I want to hire a nanny? Do I want to send him to daycare? What do I want this to look like? And I decided to send him to daycare. And um, it's not, you know, super expensive. I know that for some people, though, it is like a really good chunk of your salary sending your baby to daycare and so you have to you might say well why would I send my baby to daycare whenever it's like half of what I make why don't I just stay at home and I think that whenever you're working for yourself especially you are you are spending that money to invest in yourself and to invest in your own growth while your baby is being really well taken care of hopefully um, at daycare and so and I'll talk a little bit more about daycare later but um and I have a couple of blog posts that I wrote um really extensive blog posts because I felt a big dilemma around daycare but I just want to mention here financially that um it was worth it to me to pay a good chunk of my salary for daycare for Fox it was a good short-term and long-term investment um I would say long-term investment yeah. Because I'm able to grow my business, and my business, the growth that's happening now, is going to last us forever. 
Yes. Well, and, and, and that's just a whole other mindset shift. I, I actually let's put this on our like podcast to do list is, um, is sort of the difference between a cost and an investment. Like if you look at daycare as a cost where you're spending half of your money for daycare, then yes, that's a bad idea, but it's not a cost. It's an investment. And whenever you can look at it like an investment, it makes it easier to spend the money to, mm-hmm. uh, to actually, you know, better your life or business or whatever that may be. Um, whenever, whenever I, Lily was younger, she's like two, three, four years old. Um, I had someone come into the house, um, and, and I guess babysitter <laughs> while I was there working. Um, again, we were living in the mountains at the time. There was no good daycare solution. Um, so for me, it was investing in someone, um, who would come in and hang out with Lily a couple hours a day, um, a couple days a week. So it wasn't even like a full-time thing. Um, and she came and hung out with Lily and played with her and sort of gave her some one-on-one time. Um, gave me some free time to work. And then in the event that Lily was in a nap, um, she would come down. Or Her name was Emily, too, which is just confusing. But, <laughs> but Emily would come down and, um, and help me, like, file away papers and answer emails and stuff. Like, there are different ways of investing in your business and life um, and your child's future that... You just you have to think about it. You have to consider it an investment and brainstorm as to what will work best for you and your family and your situation. So transitioning a little bit to this decision fatigue thing, like the hardest part for me as of today, whenever it comes <laughs> to being a working mom and for you, Emily, being on all the time. Um, one of the things that I love well, one of the experts I love is Danielle Laporte and her, her big thing is making goals based on how you want to feel. And so not just the end goal, like I want to have this rocking six figure business or I want to be a stay at home mom or work at home mom. It's like, how do you want to feel? And then making sure that the decisions that you make support that feeling, Um, So are the things that you're doing in your day, whether it's with your kid or at work, making you feel how you want to feel? Are they getting you closer to your goal? Um, So I think that that is something that might benefit our listeners, regardless of your situation. Do you feel the way that you want to feel? Right. And that's such a basic thing. Like whenever you do have decision fatigue... Um, and you are dealing with not only your own needs and requests, but those of small humans. Um, I think one of the easiest questions you can ask yourself is how do you want to feel? Um, it's not going to be one of those things that you really have to sit and think about. Like if you want to feel rested, then, you know, call your mom, take the kid, take a nap. (laughs) Or if it's like off air, off air, it's Emily saying, Hey Kathleen, if you want to feel rested, you need to get that baby out of your bed. Oh, I know. We talked about that lots of times. (laughs) We've talked about that a lot. So yeah, I mean, it, it is like just seeing how you want to feel and doing the things that you have to do to get there for, for us, we wanted to feel freedom like in our life. Um, and that hugely affected like how we work and live with our child. Uh, we took her out of school because school made us feel so like tightened down. Like we had to have her there by eight every morning. We had to pick her up at three every day. And if we wanted to go on vacation, it was, we had to write a note. Um, and I'm not okay with that. So, so that was, you know, one of the decisions, uh, or one of the ways that we set the goal to like make homeschooling work. 
um, mm -hmm. is we knew how we wanted to feel and we knew that how life was currently happening wasn't making us feel that way. So we made the changes necessary to feel exactly the way we want to. And, um, and it pays off. It really just is as basic. I think as just as a parent with an overloaded brain, just how do you want to feel? I have no idea how I want to feel. <laughs> <laughs> edit, you have to edit that out. <laughs> oh, can I play? We'll work Sorry, on I'm it. not trying to make your job harder for you, but I have no idea how I want to feel right now. Anyway, I was oh. just thinking about that. Well, we'll Probably think on that today, Kathleen. I'll think on that. We'll you do want some to goal feel? setting today. You, you should. You should. Do some desire mapping today. We'll include a link to... Danielle's desire map yes. stuff because um, it's great. It, it is good. I, I I love and everyone. It's she's fantastic. Um, so one of the things that I've been asked a lot is Kathleen, how have you been able to do it all? You know, while you're sleep deprived and while you're breastfeeding and all of this. And um, well, one, I'm not doing it all. I'm not uh, just like Anna Maria. I'm frustrated too because I'm not able to do everything that I want to do. Um, the pace at which I was living before I had the baby was very like a rock rolling down a hill. Um, you know, so I had a lot of momentum and I feel like in a lot of ways I got um, stopped in my tracks, even though if I do look over the last year, I've been able to grow my business um, start this podcast. There have been a lot of amazing things I've been able to accomplish but I was only able to accomplish those things because I already had really good routines and habits in place before I ever started my family. So things like really scheduling out my day on my Google Calendar, keeping really tight to-do lists, having a really good team in place and really good creative processes and procedures in place. Um, that's the only way I've been able to do it all is that I made it habit. And so throwing in one big kink into it all, which is the baby, um, I was still able to move through my day pretty similar to the way that I was before with, I mean, a few major shifts. Um, so if you're thinking about starting a family, like to, right now is a really good time to get your habits and routines in place so that you're not completely thrown for a loop once that baby comes into your life. Yeah. And if, if you already have kids and you don't have routines, it's not too late. Um, and, and, and I think what a lot of people find, I mean, the idea of routines to a lot of people is a little, a little weird. Um, and this idea of having the same thing you do every day and how can you be like creatively free if you have routines, um, which again is a whole other podcast in itself. Um, but it's, it's not too late to start. And I bet if you look at your day as it is, you already have routines in place. Um, it's just about defining them and making them work for you a little better. Um, our daily routine is everything to us everything to us. And, and if, if, especially my mornings, if my morning is messed up, the rest of my day is going to be off, which I guess is something I should like get control of. But, <laughs> but you know, having, no, it's true. Yeah. Having, having those routines in place is sort of what, what allows your days to go off relatively without a hitch. Um, and they're super important. I can't, I can't speak enough about having habits and routines, um, while juggling, a family life where, you know, you're a mom or a parent, um, and a business where your job is sort of running it and lots of other people. Routines make all that possible. 
So for me, my biggest challenge, and we've you know charged you all to identify your own biggest challenge, but my biggest challenge as a working mom is the decision fatigue. And so having routines and habits in place that I can rely on uh, to punctuate my day, those are what keep me from becoming too decision fatigued. Um, it's what they're the things that keep me sane. And so they're also things like routines and habits can also help you get closer to your core desired feelings. And so for you, Emily, um, your core desired feeling is creative freedom. And so in what ways do routines and habits help you achieve your creative freedom? Oh, okay. So I, I heard a story once that I'm totally going to like tell you a, a parable here or something. Um, oh, I love but, it. But, but I heard a story and they compared like boundaries and creative freedom to allowing like a group of school kids go out and play outside. And so if you have like this huge like area where kids can go play, but it's bordered by a street, then you're going to like huddle them in and keep them away from the streets because there are no boundaries in place except for the street to keep them away from the street. Um, but if you go put a fence around the yard, you can let the kids play freely. You never have to worry about them getting in the street. Mm. So for me, like having routines are like that. Like I have different points in my day where I sort of check in because this is the same time that I do something every single day. But in between those times I can, enjoy creative freedom without worrying about getting hit by a bus <laughs> Yes, because I'm simply going to be staying on track and like playing within my boundaries completely freely as opposed to not having boundaries where things can just run amok. So speaking about boundaries and having that fence, like, so the fence that I've built in my life to have creative freedom within is probably daycare um, I'm a good mom and a good boss, but not at the same time. So sending my baby to daycare and knowing that he has a safe place where he can play with his friends and play with a bunch of awesome plastic toys that make a lot of noise and he can, um, have, well, you know, this is a whole separate story, but the women that work at his daycare love him they love him so much and they're making sure that he's fed and has a clean diaper. I mean, they probably change his diaper more than I do. <laughs> but knowing that he is taken care of um, allows me to have creative freedom in my day to do what I do best. Yeah. Um, which is being a boss. So that's my, that's the boundary that I've set for myself. And then also another boundary that I have um, and something that kind of punctuates my day every day is my workout at, in the middle of the day. It keeps me totally sane. And so like self-care is so important. And I think especially new moms seem to have a hard time with taking care of themselves, but you know, everyone's heard it. You have to put your own mask on first. Um, a happy mom makes for a happy baby. And so like even the other day I was visiting one of my friends who's a creative mama and she just had a baby. He's maybe two or three weeks old and she's trying to breastfeed him, but is getting super frustrated and having a really hard time with it. And I was like, if you need 
permission to not breastfeed, like here it is. Like you don't have to do this because if it's stressing you out and making you unhappy, the benefits of breastfeeding, I mean, we've all heard breast is best, are totally outweighed by you feeling terrible. Yeah. And so, um, you know, a happy mom makes for a happy baby and a happy family. So do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And for me, whenever I started, whenever I had Fox, um, I thought that maybe, you know, maybe I should be a work-at-home mom. Maybe Fox can just, you know, quietly hang out and do his thing while I'm writing a blog post or designing some client work. And I found that I just really couldn't do it at the same time. And so I also found that sending him to daycare and doing the work, like my work is what saved me. My work kept me sane and feeling like myself. And so that was, that was a huge priority for me. Um, so yeah, that's what I've done. Well, and I, I agree. Happy mom makes a happy baby. And that, that requires, that requires self care. Like just, Period. And I, and I feel like that's, you know, one of the things, like, going back to this idea of, like, losing your own identity. You can't take care of yourself if you have lost yourself in being a mom. Um, and that's, oh, that, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Simply, like, self-care as an entrepreneur um, and, and as a mom. For me, um, a couple of my boundaries have been, um, like, setting or, like, telling people what their expectations are. And you can't really do this with Fox yet. Actually, you probably could, and he would probably understand. Um, but Lily's at the age now where I can sit her down and be like, look, <laughs> I have a meeting for 30 minutes. You will be quiet. Um, and it, it's, a lot of people look at me funny when I say things like that because I'm, I'm talking to my kid like a grown-up. Like, I'm setting a very reasonable expectation that I completely expect her to follow along with um but she's you know six seven um she understands and she gets it and she has for many years um I think kids kids are a lot more um a lot more willing to listen if you speak to them in a way that requires them to listen and for Lily at least it's you know speaking to her like a like a what is it called Grown up, yeah, like a grown up, but like <laughs> someone who's like, like I'm, I'm expecting her to understand this on the same level that I do, um, with like someone that has their prefrontal cortex fully formed. Yes, <laughs> and and not even that. You have to start that early. Like, like one of the one of the things about David and I and, and bringing Lily, we never baby talk Lily. Not once have we ever baby talked. Like even when she was a baby, um. And sort of continually speaking to her, not like a grown up, because that does sound like we're probably like treating her as a as an adult, and we don't. She's downstairs playing Legos right now. Um, right. But but we are very clear. Like when we set expectations, uh, we expect her to follow them. But that's the same thing with everyone in our life. You know, if I send her off with her grandmother, like her grandmother will have clear expectations, mm. um, and it's being very reasonable with those and very clear with those and communicating that has really helped me a ton. Um, in, in doing all the things that I do um, and making sure everyone is sort of operating on the level that I need them to, it helps them work better because everyone just stays so much more happy. I was about to say, it's just like being a boss is, you know, setting clear expectations with your clients, setting clear expectations 
with your contractors and employees yeah. and your kids. And your family and your child. <laughs> and, and, and sort of making sure that everyone's job is being done. Um, things start to crumble when communication goes out. Um, mm-hmm. So so for me, one of, one of those boundaries that I've set for myself is there will simply always be very clear expectations. Um, but that also is with yourself as well. Um, that I think is, is sort of the, tends to be the missing piece of that puzzle is, um, is being okay with yourself and speaking to the breastfeeding thing. Cause I know that is such a huge thing. I breastfed for six weeks. Um, that was it. And that was like lots of reasons went into that, that it doesn't matter <laughs> what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lily is happy and healthy and very, very smart. Um, and sure, I had a, probably about a week where I felt pretty guilty about stopping. Um, but I do not regret that decision in the least. Um, so it really is about finding what will work for you and taking everyone else's expectations who are irrelevant to your life and throwing them out the window. And I just want to point out too, because breastfeeding is just a good example of this, is that there's no one right or wrong way to do things. And so, um, even like I'm the only person in my family, um, including my husband's family. Like, I feel like I'm the, one of the first ones to really breastfeed for a long term and long term being one. So I'm kind of starting to try and wean him now just very gently and on our own schedule. But I know that whenever my sister had kids, it was all about timing everything. And it's like, how many minutes was the baby on the left boob and how many swallows did he take of milk? And that's how you can calculate ounces. And then did you switch to the right boob and how long was he on that? And like everything, whenever my sister was having kids, you know, 10 years ago was all about structure and Uh, I remember she handed some books down to me and it was like, okay, first you feed the baby, then you change his diaper, then you play with him and then you put him down for a nap. And it's that routine throughout the day. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad my sister gave me this book because how else would I know how to parent my baby without this book? And then I had the baby and all of that was thrown out the window because we just kind of fell into our own rhythm and routine and breastfeeding really did work for us. But I wasn't counting how many seconds he was on each boob. I was just like whipping out my boob and putting him on it. (laughs) Uh, So I remember um, kind of maybe six months in, my sister was like, well, I probably would have breastfed longer too if it was like that easy whenever I was going about it. Anyway, so, um, and growth spurts. And so obviously Fox, I've talked about it. He's in daycare. So I was doing a lot of pumping and my day revolved around having food um, because I was starving all the time and pumping all the time. And so it is a lot of work. And I'm lucky in that Fox took a bottle while he was at daycare, not as well as some kiddos. Like I would see tiny babies drinking eight ounces and Fox would maybe have two ounces all day. And it was so frustrating. Um, my, one of my best girlfriends, her baby refuses to take a bottle and she is a photographer who works for herself. And so her baby really is literally attached to her all day and she's still breastfeeding him. He's over one and she takes him to shoots with her and she, um, you know, she feeds him, like loads him up on food and then she'll go shoot a wedding 
and then, you know, go home and feed her baby again. And so like her days revolve around feeding her baby and that's okay. Um, it's our jobs as parents to make sure that our babies are fed however you want to do that. And um, so the cool thing about being a creative entrepreneur and being your own boss and being a mom is that you get to decide what it looks like for you. So whether you are a stay-at-home mom or a work-at-home mom or you're working part-time or full-time, whether you are attach, you know, attachment parenting or homeschooling, <laughs> homeschooling, yeah, whatever it is, like you get to set your own rules. And so really the question is like, how do you imagine your ideal day looking? How does it look for you and the baby? Um, how do you want to feel? And then also remembering this, because it's funny even talking today, I remember whenever Fox was two months old, the daycare decision, and I'm going to be sure to link to the blog post that I wrote about daycare in the show notes, because I think it's really important. Um, it felt like the biggest decision of our lives. And now we're a year in, and Emily, you're seven years in, and yeah. it's just realizing that everything is temporary and everything changes. From your work to your family to your baby, nothing is going to stay the same and nothing is permanent. Yeah. It's, it's exactly how I mean, I, I remember having I remember having the daycare talk with you, like whenever I was putting Lily into daycare. Um, and I it was the same way, like the biggest decision I was ever going to make. Um but it was over <laughs> a year know, later. And it's like just not a big deal. Yeah, no. I mean, like I wouldn't think about it twice again. And and I think I think there it's it's tackling the overwhelm. Um and and simply knowing that no decision that you make will ever be final. Um your kid's probably gonna need therapy at some point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the the goal really is just to do the best that you can. I mean, that's that's all you can ever do. Um, and the more you practice doing the best that you can, the better you'll get at it. Um, I, I think it's it's really sort of that simple when it comes to parenting or or businessing or whatever it is. It's do the best that you can. Like, right, really you know what? You I've I was thinking about that phrase, like doing the best that you can, and I think that it's really bad for perfectionists and type A creative entrepreneurs like myself. <laughs> because like my best is, you know, um, like my best might look like in my mind being like a full-time mom and a full-time creative entrepreneur and like just running myself ragged. But I mean, I know what you mean by the sentiment, like do the best that yeah. you can. And I have to remind myself like I'm doing the best I can, but my inner gremlin always pops up and is like, are you really doing the best that you can? Cause I think you could do a little better Kathleen. <laughs> well, that gremlin needs to hush. Number one. I know maybe that's just me. And, and two, like doing the best that you can does not mean that you're going to get the best results right now. Um, and, and I feel like that's something that that's one of those things where, you know, you're living so in the moment because all of these overwhelming things are happening. Um, it's, it's, if you do the best that you can now, your best will be better tomorrow. And then at some point and hopefully the not too far future, you will have it all because you are sort of consistently doing the best and it will continue to get better. And then you'll be exactly where you want to be. Um, because Fox will get older. He'll, he, he'll sleep better. Um, you know, I think it was Anna Maria um, dealing with 
um, like starting your new blog and, and gaining your knowledge, all of those things, like if you just keep doing it a little bit at a time, you will get there and you'll learn how to prioritize your things and your, your routines will sort of come out of what you're naturally doing anyway. Um, we, there are like what, 7 billion people on the planet right now. Um, we were all kids with parents at one point. Like you're not going to totally screw it up. <laughs> you have to, you have to trust yourself. And if you do screw it up, there are therapists. They'll be fine. I think that what I do know is that there are more working moms and more creative entrepreneurs than ever. Yes. And what's really cool about this is that we get to decide what we want our life to look like. We get to make our own rules whenever it comes to work and parenting. We can take everything that we've seen work for other people and blend it up and make it our own. Yep. And so whenever it comes to staying creative and growing your business, there's no, and you know, how to parent, there is no right or wrong answer. Like as long as you're not feeding your baby cocaine for breakfast. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. Like, you're probably, <laughs> if you even have the desire, like this alone gives me comfort at night is that I have the desire to be a really good mom mm -hmm. and I have the desire to be a creative awesome badass boss lady so I think that that desire alone is what will drive your actions and just being patient and trusting the process but having those processes like we talked about like routines and habits and all the other stuff that our podcasts all of our other episodes address um, if you have the desire to do those things you will become those things it's just about being patient and giving it time yeah. and doing your best every day. Definitely. Every single day. High five. <laughs> High five. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Being Boss from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. Find show notes for this episode at lovebeingboss.com. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on our website, at iTunes, and on SoundCloud. And if you like our podcast, show us some love by reviewing Being Boss on iTunes and sharing it with a friend. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week. I, I didn't hit record. I'm so sorry. I mean, I'm recording now. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one today, Kathleen. I'm excited.